Hello again, and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, Gardening 2.0, we're a garden show. Uh, maybe not for beginners, and we talk about some, often we talk about important issues that uh, can be affected by gardeners or affect the garden. And for, well, I'd, I'd say almost decades now, I've been complaining and railing and ranting against the use of peat moss for a variety of reasons. If you care about the environment and limiting atmospheric CO2, if you're interested in archaeology and anthropology and the history of humans on the planet, if you want to grow healthy plants, if you care about saving energy, recycling, water conservation, if you care about habitat loss and the plants and animals that go with that, and if you would like to learn more about more possible answers, then you will be interested in listening to my guest today, who is Mont Hanley. And he has a new product that he's introducing to commercial greenhouses uh, as an alternative to peat moss. Welcome, Mont. Hello, how are you? Well, I, I'm getting over a cold. So, uh, as maybe you can tell from the sound of my voice, but I'm going to try to make it into our interview and through it. I'll try uh, to make it as famous as possible. I'm sure you will. Listeners to this radio show and the podcast have heard me complain about peat moss for a very long time. Uh, in the British Isles, peat moss is mined as a fuel, but in North America, it is pretty much only used for gardening. Peat moss isn't bad, I suppose, mixed as a seed starting medium, but in other for other uses, which it's always promoted, for example, outdoor gardenings, it has virtually no good use, and yet we're sold it, it's sold everywhere, everybody thinks they have to buy it to amend soil uh, or to use as a mulch, and I know that I'm always looking for an alternative, and I want to hear about something that you've come up with. Sure. Well, we are uh, manufacturing and selling pit moss. It's a uh, peat moss alternative made from recycled newspaper and a proprietary mix of organic additives. I, um, I invented the product and uh, was awarded a patent on it. Uh, did some research at Purdue University with the product. Um, and we have uh, discovered that it is a great replacement at um, at least 50% levels and higher in other crops, but um, you can you can easily do a 50 50% replacement in, in all commercially grown greenhouse crops. And that's where we're selling the product right now. We're selling it to commercial greenhouses and nurseries in western Pennsylvania and eastern Ohio. And that's for the production of container plants? Production of container plants, floral culture. Um, we are um, working with a um, manufacturer of horticultural media that is experimenting with it in propagation plugs right now, but uh, predominantly production soils for commercial production soils. So you said about 50%. Uh, what are some of the things that you might be adding to it to create the, the medium for a growing medium? Well, our, our additives are proprietary, but we, we actually do add a few things that we discussed in our patent, so I don't mind mentioning those. But you know, one of the things that when we get in recycled paper or recycled newspaper specifically, we want to tear those fibers down to a um, microscopic level. Um, so we actually use um, bone meal um, to use as an abrasive in our process, and it creates a, a little bit of calcium, a little bit of phosphorus for the plants, but we don't promote the fact that there's any kind of 
uh, nutrient values of the product. It, peat is generally used in commercial greenhouses as a as a blank slate medium, and it, it never has done that in a very uh, good good way. Um, when you use peat, you have to do various things to improve it for commercial production. So you have to adjust for the pH, and you have to use um, a, a, what's called a wetting agent or a surfactant to make it absorb water because uh, generally when a peat is dried out, when peat moss is dried out, it is uh, what's called hydrophobic and uh, will not absorb water easily. So there's a, a many things that growers um, and home gardeners, for that matter, have to do to make peat moss work for them properly. And uh, the things that happen with when growers use pit moss is um, you don't have to add all those things. Our, our product is pH neutral around 5.8 to 6.1, so you don't have to uh, add any lime to it to change the pH. Uh, you don't have to add a, any sort of a wetting agent uh, when you're mixing it with a with another uh, soil. Uh, one of our growers locally here is using a compost that they make from old plants that haven't sold, and they're just growing wonderfully. Uh, so that's the, you're heading right where I was asking. You've got the pit moss, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. Uh, and then to make it a growing medium, I guess they're adding something like perlite to keep it open and have some drainage and as you just said compost from recycled plants uh, right because you mentioned you'd have something about 50 percent pit moss and then 50 yeah. percent other things well we consider ourselves an amendment i mean when you're talking about a soil like a, a production soil i mean uh, i guess everyone thinks of uh and maybe uh, maybe a lot of the home gardeners wouldn't think of this but a commercial grower or a floriculturist or horticulturist would think of the soil mix that Cornell University created in the 60s and early 70s, they actually call it the Cornell mix, and it's a mix of peat moss, and it's a mix of perlite and some dolomitic lime, and and uh, various levels of those additives form basically the, the soil that you'll see when you buy potted plants or flats of annuals or, uh, you know, uh, propagation plugs um, for your garden. Um, we I uh, just consider ourselves another one of those amendments, just like peat moss would be an amendment for that. Um, what we we do feel like certain crops you can actually use far more levels of pit moss. Like for instance, when we have tested geraniums um, or tropical plants like rubber trees or spider plants, uh, they they love this medium. They love it, and um, I, I, we really are not sure why yet. Um, <laughs> we're still we're still trying to figure all that out, but. There are certain crops that love it, and some that I'm not going to say have a problem with it, but they can they can only tolerate say 50 percent of it in the mix. Hmm. Uh, well, probably almost nobody knows what we're talking about, <laughs> except in the I'm most sorry general. About that. No, no, that's okay. I'm gonna we're gonna zoom right in on that. Pit moss to me looks like if anyone's ever seen it, blown in insulation. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but it's it's kind of a fluffy and it's brown and mm -hmm. and you can't tell what it's made of really uh but as soon as somebody says newspaper or recycled paper it, it makes sense um, yeah. now it's probably brown because of the things you can't talk about or or maybe not can you can you tell well me? there's you know there is actually some um I, I i came from the retail nursery background my first job at a college was managing five locations of a chain store called frank's nursery and crafts and it was a regional um, nursery based out of Detroit, but my the locations I managed were in the Chicago area, 
And I just had this idea um, back in the early 90s that, you know, someone should come up with an alternative to peat moss because I was reading more and more articles about how devastating the harvest was to, at the time, plants and animals. Now I understand it's, in, it's even uh, a bigger environmental consequence to harvest peat because of the CO2, uh, the carbon uh, emissions from it. And not just the carbon emitted when you dig the peat out, but also the, um, the damage you're doing to these carbon-absorbing habitats should also be taken into consideration. I mean, there's only 3% of the Earth's surface, and this is tertiary surface, the land surface is composed of peat lands. Yet they sequester 30% or more of the known soil carbon. So they have a major impact on, on, on atmospheric carbon. So, yes, when I, when I uh, de designed this product, I was very much looking at the aesthetic appeal of it. I was looking at it, wanting it to look like peat moss, to um, have the same major characteristics that people look for, namely aeration, uh, you know, moisture retention, uh, nutrient retention, and, um, you know, I guess um, I would I would dispute one thing. I don't know that it looks fluffy to me. I think if you look at it under a microscope, it looks like tiny little cigars. Hmm. Uh, maybe it doesn't look as fluffy as it feels. <laughs> It, yeah. feel, it feel well. well it is very light. It's, yeah. a, it's a very light medium. Yes. Well, and I'm talking about before it's hydrated, of course. Yeah. Um, so, uh, frankly, have you dyed it to make it brown? We we have used a organic dye that's based on rust. So it's it's adding an iron supplement to the to the uh, medium. And b before you do that, what is it? Kind of grayish, white, or something? It is. It's 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 a it's a gray, very much like the cellulose insulation you'd see blown into your attic. Yeah. Right. Right. It's exactly the same raw material. Well, you you talked a little bit about uh, the problems with peat, and and you said that's how you sort of got into this whole thing, and that as you know, I'm very interested in that too, and alternatives, and I've been yeah. using uh, coir, which is the, a byproduct of the coconut industry um, mm -hmm. coconuts raised for food and then they have the husks are ground up into coir which i've found pretty successful and now i'm interested yes. in pit moss uh, and i would you know i would say take some pit moss and take some coir and take some perlite and take some compost and mix them all together mm -hmm. and try different combinations if, right. if pit moss ever becomes available to me as a you know as because i'm not a commercial greenhouse do you think that someday that might happen Yes, I do. Um, in fact, uh, later this week, um, I am presenting to a group of investors in uh, western Pennsylvania, and uh, we're already anticipating expanding our production facility. Our uh, demand exceeds our production capability, um, almost doubling. Uh, we, it's double what we can produce in a year. So we are getting a lot of traction in the commercial greenhouse industry here in western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio. And our goal is to one day just, we want to start in the Northeast. We want to hit every greenhouse from Michigan to Maine to North Carolina from a plant here in Pittsburgh. And then our, our next location would likely be Florida uh, because of the tropical plant market and uh, the number of growers down there. It's the second largest state in the country for floriculture production. And once we have plants located around the country and we can support, um, you know, a consumer product, 
uh, we are definitely, that's definitely on our, our radar for the future, but it's a very, very costly undertaking to, to launch a consumer product. I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, why are greenhouses interested in your product? You know, is it, is it just because they want to get off peat? Well, that's one thing. I think they're very interested in being able to sell a, a sustainable product. And um, I, I know a few of my growers are already in discussions with retailers about promoting the fact that our product is is, is a sustainable green product, and there are there's a lot of interest there. Um, I, I really won't mention any of the retailer names until deals are cut. But sure. There there are a lot of there's a lot of interest there, and that's a great thing for the grower because right now they are. Um, selling their product on a commodity basis. When I worked for Frank's, when I managed uh, the live goods sections for uh, five of their stores in the Chicago market, I bought the material. I owned the material from the growers. And so they, they, they were making um, a substantial living back then. And uh, since then, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the plant material that you see at some of the big box stores is on consignment. There's no one there that owns it at the stores so they don't really care for it and, and everyone that's in your audience is going to like probably say you know what i i did see a whole rack of of annuals sitting out front that's sitting out in front of that store and nobody was taking care of it it wasn't watered it was wilting that's because the stores don't own it and hmm. so they're basically putting that cost onto the growers so i feel like i'm helping the growers uh you know kind of change the the sales strategy, if you will. They can go in and say, I've got a green product. It's, it's going to be more valuable. You're going to have to take care of it if you want my product. And at the same time, our product is less expensive than sphagnum peat moss, and it doesn't require the amendments I mentioned earlier where you have to add dolomitic lime to change the pH. It doesn't need the wetting agent if you're using it in conjunction with uh, another horticultural media. So there are a lot of cost savings. And one of the things that we keep seeing over and over again, you know, people think of pit moss, uh, peat moss. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a registered trademark now for pit moss, and I have to keep telling myself, it's pit moss, peat moss, pit moss, <laughs> peat moss. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that people think about peat moss is that it's sterile that it's a sterile media, free of weed seed, free of fungus spores, free of insect larvae. And that is definitely not the case. This is, this is a product that's dug up from wetlands, and it has all those things, weed seeds. It has uh, mold spores, and it definitely has insect larvae, namely fungus gnats. So we have no, we've heard right from the very beginning from the growers who have been uh, demonstrating our product, doing beta trials for us, that they see immediately the difference in the number of fungus gnats, which can actually spread uh, major diseases. And, and it's probably one of the reasons why a lot of your growers or your, a lot of your listeners haven't been able to find shade-loving impatience for the last few years because they were spreading mold and, and fungus and, and disease. Well, you're talking about so many different things, but you mentioned something accidentally that I was going to ask you. How, sure. how did you get to the name pit moss? Or why? Well, okay, so I have been at this for a while. Um, I, I, I kind of go back to my, I, I didn't go to grad school, but I feel like I did have the experience of eating the ramen noodles and studying and focused on this. Um, but uh, back in the day, I had another name for it. 
And uh, if people care to go to my website, they can see it when they go check out our results from our, our research from Purdue. It was a different name. I can't mention it. Um, the uh, Canadian Spangler Peat Moss Association is is a bit of a um, like cartel, and they control the North American market for peat moss. There's, I think there's about 12 companies in the association now, and they really do dominate the entire market. And um, their executive director back in the day wrote me a, a very curt letter saying that if I continue to use the name, um, uh, they would they would do things that I probably wouldn't have liked. So I changed the name. And uh, at the same time, I had moved to Pittsburgh for a job. The city had a great reputation around the world for uh, sort of changing from the old industrial um, monolith that you think of, the big rusting um, hulk that you can think of as the old steel mills, and really has changed into a, a very dynamic um, city that um, one of the Italian writers wrote, his, uh, his um, title was the, C- the City of the Future, and I thought, that is amazing that we have such a great reputation around the world. Um, coming from Chicago myself, I didn't really know of that reputation, but uh, when I moved here, I definitely saw that there, the people here are really into sustainable um, uh, buildings. It's got one of the largest footprints of um, uh, LEED certified buildings um, in the country, if not the planet, and I thought, well, Pitt sounds like Pete, and they didn't tell me I couldn't use the word moss in that curt little letter of theirs, mm-hmm. so I said, well, Pitt moss, sounds great, and so we actually did end up, end up earning our registration from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office last August, so we're going with it. Well, uh, it's great that you've explained it, because now I have an idea, I had no idea, you know, what it came from, and I, yeah. I, I frankly think, thought that the, well, I do think that the name is a problem. Uh, just because you have to introduce people to it, you know, it's it's starting from mm-hmm. scratch practically. I mean, the word moss, we know, we have an idea of what that is. So, what happens to the product after it's uh, when it's being used? I mean, how long does it last? It's organic, and I imagine it compresses or begins to right. break down. Well, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to uh, like use paper and newspaper specifically was. When I was growing up as a kid, my grandmother used to lay it down in the garden to keep weeds down, and then she would put like a uh, some sort of like grass mulch over the top of it. And it is it is going to break down. It's a it's an organic matter, um, and it will degrade um, seasonally. You can like use it every year, um, and 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 in our application where we're using it as production soil for floral culture, it will be uh, a source of uh, uh, biologic activity in the soil. The soil um, microbes love this stuff. It's like candy to them. Cellulose is like candy to them. So this will actually benefit your soil greatly. But it is something that you probably use. And, and again, in our application, if you're buying like flowering annuals or maybe some of the uh, perennials that are being grown in it right now, you will be adding this every year if it's annuals and um you know eventually once we get to a consumer product we we'd love to have people buy it on a regular basis so if you if you're a greenhouse in a production greenhouse you can imagine that this product is going to last about a year in the in the in the state that you've originally used it for as a potting medium before it starts to i don't know yeah. 
Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know that it would last that long, Ken, because yeah. a lot of the growers are, are going to be growing this on a seasonal crop-by-crop crop basis. So, I mean, generally every commercial grower, well, they're all a little bit different, but on, on average they grow about five crops per year. So if they're a year-round greenhouse, they'll have poinsettias, they'll have spring flowering bulbs, they'll have, you know, the, the bedding plants for spring and summer, uh, fall months. And um, so that they'll be changing out their soils uh, with the new pots that they're selling as well to uh, consumers about five times a year, so every three or four months. So mm. an application like that, it's really not, you know, it's not, it's, it's not breaking down by the point that it's being shipped to the retailer or to landscapers. So, so you, um, you can't use it as a growing medium for perennials or woody plants. Well, we have there. There has been some. Uh, there has been some testing of that, but. Uh, We've never really had any issues with the uh, with the uh, breakdown of the soils in those perennials. Um, it's it's always been uh, very well received, um, but again, those perennials are, are potted, so that that pot's going to be sold, and the home gardener is going to probably take it out of the pot and plant it. So mm -hmm. it's it's not going to be an issue as far as degrading. And and again that. Peat moss, uh, peat moss actually does the same thing. You, you will have peat moss degrade in the soil, and it's actually beneficial for the microbes in the soil. When you, uh, in the future, when this product is is available to home gardeners to mix in uh, in the garden, uh, uh, how do you think it's going to be shipped? Are you able to compress it? Well, we um, we do we don't right now. We actually ship loose fill and super sacks, those big bags you see on on pallets. Um, but we do plan on on shipping it um, to home gardeners in um, a very similar fashion that they currently buy their peat moss. So it would be compressed um, and baled, similar to similar to what uh, your home gardeners are buying right now. And shipped dry. And ship dry, yes. That's our goal. Because often when you buy peat moss, it somehow either, once it was dry, sometimes it was never dry, and mm -hmm. shipping shipping is a big deal with, with peat moss. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's always shipped, and it's often shipped a little wet, and it's often shipped heavy. It, it is often shipped wet, and that's because it helps shape the, the, the material when it's compressed. And the reason compression started to begin with is because of the long haul costs to uh, the delivery charges. Um, so the, the peat moss producers up in Canada, these are remote wetland areas, they want to get as much on the back of that truck as possible. So they started to compress this material and even in commercial greenhouse level, they were compressing it and they were giving away these uh, large bale busters, if you will, to the growers to incentivize them to use the compressed bales. But um, every grower that I've talked to, they prefer loose fill. Mm. Um, so that's how we ship. Well, I, I can't wait to follow what's going to happen in the future and follow the future of pit moss. I'm glad that we could introduce people to something that they're going to be seeing in the future and a new idea and then just another wonderful way to get away from a product that you and I both think is, has problems. <laughs> and, I uh, agree. And the fact that you're making it out of something that uh, get, needs to be used anyway, you know, th that's always wonderful to recycle. 
Right. Uh, so well, I, we, we, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we, uh, we landfilled 22 million tons of paper last year in the United States. So the uh, market for Canadian sphagnum peat moss in the United States is a little more than a million tons. So I don't think we'll have a, a big impact on the recycled uh, paper industry, but we'll do our share. Well, I'm all for that. And I've been speaking with Mont Handley, who's the president and CEO of Pitmoss, Pitmoss Development Company, LLC, in uh, Green Tree, Pennsylvania. And uh, he's introducing us to, for the first time, to a new product called Pitmoss from Pittsburgh, <laughs> from the Pittsburgh area. And uh, thanks again so much for uh, talking to me today. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. I've acquired a sample of pit moss. It's uh, kind of strange and different stuff, but I'm going to mix it with some other ingredients and uh, see how it works, and I'll let you know. Please join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt Gardening 2.0. See you then.